netizens. The other day I went to the theater and I saw Monty Python Live, mostly, as it is titled. And so I thought I'd take the opportunity to ramble about Monty Python for a few minutes. It's actually a bit weird. I don't talk about Monty Python nearly as often these days as I did when I was young. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's become very popular now. It's actually kind of, for me, become so popular that it's become one of those things that's always just sort of lurking there in the background, behind everything. You know, like the NSA. Um, okay, maybe not quite like the NSA. I have a feeling that Monty Python's security is not quite as good. But anyway... It's also one of those weird things when something you like becomes popular, and I guess you become more reluctant to talk about it, because quite suddenly talking about it seems trite. I don't know. All I know is I used to quote the Monty Python movies a lot more than I do now, and I think it's because now everybody does it. It's like talking about spam or shrubberies is now an expected response, in the sense that one gives responses in church. It's like a holy obligation. And I kind of got to the point that I was phoning in the responses because it was happening so often. Not unlike the responses one's expected to give in church. But I digress. Anyway, let's not make this about religion. Maybe I'll rant about religion later, but let's not worry about that now. Now let's worry about Monty Python. So I went to see the show. It was great. It is probably their last live show as Monty Python. They, of course, only had five-sixths of the group there, but they showed a lot of footage of Graham Chapman, which was nice. And they did a number of sketches that they hadn't done in quite a while, and I'm guessing some of them were sketches that Graham Chapman contributed more to the writing on whenever he would go away and write with John Cleese and or Douglas Adams later on in the Flying Circus series. But I don't think they included any of the Adams material. It was all stuff that was a little bit older that they were all familiar with. Some of the stuff that they included they hadn't done since The Flying Circus, I think. I mean, they've been doing stage shows for quite a while now. I remember first becoming aware of them doing that when my mother rented their appearance at the Hollywood Bowl that had been on videotape for a while, and I got to watch that years and years ago, way back in the 1980s. At least that's when I watched it. I can't remember clearly when the Hollywood Bowl appearance was. Might have been 1980, that's the date that's floating to the top of my mind. And thanks to the magic of the pause button, I have just gone and checked, and the performance did indeed happen in 1980, and the video was released in 1982. Don't know why I bothered to look that up, but now I know. And now all of you know too, if you didn't before. But in any case, they had a lot of the old standards that they first did in The Flying Circus, and have continued to do on stage for the last, what? What, 50 years? So they did the Argument Clinic, and they did the Lumberjack song, and they did the parrot sketch. Of course they did the parrot sketch. Though the way that they did it was amusing, they tried to spring it on everyone by surprise. And in case you go and see a rebroadcast of it later, I will not reveal how it is that the parrot sketch appears. But if you're dying for it to show up, take heart, it will show up. Am I supposed to be giving out spoilers for something like this? I don't know. Probably not. So I'll just stick to general impressions. I liked it a lot. It was funny. It was very interesting seeing them do this material that they've been doing forever, and some material they haven't done in quite a while, and seeing how differently nuanced their performances are now. And what I think was one of the most awesome things that I was not fully expecting was that they had a few of those kind of Carol Burnett show moments where they started to crack up, or they would go slightly off script, and they would sit there, whoever was on stage, trying not to laugh, and then it would become like a thing where they're trying to make each other laugh and they break the fourth wall a bit and they're having a good time and finding it hysterical and so is the audience and it was great it was hysterical because i think something like that can utterly crash a performance especially when you're doing comedy but sometimes if you just go with it it makes it that much funnier and in this case it was definitely that it was definitely made much funnier for it 
They had a couple of celebrity appearances. I kind of felt like those were tacked on a bit. Probably, I'm guessing, because they must have rotated who it was from night to night, and so they probably never had time to prepare whoever the guest would be. So they would just pretty much be up there and stand on stage and wave and say hello and just kind of gush at how happy they were to be there. And that was pretty much it. But I can understand. It's something where you don't necessarily want to give the person lines, and if it's something where they're going to have to improvise or just say a couple of words, then you'll have to take some time to craft the scene so that it'll work pretty much no matter what they do. So that was a little bit of a bump in the road for me, but it was fine. There is an intermission in it, so if you go to see one of the rebroadcasts in theaters, I don't know if this particular audio journal entry will be out before they stop doing the rebroadcasts, I don't know. It was one of those things they were simulcasting to theaters, and I believe there were supposed to be at least a couple more showings, but I can't for the life of me remember when those are. But if you happen to hear this, and have not yet gone to one of these broadcasts, know then that there is a 30-minute intermission. So you'll have time to get up, stretch your legs, go out, spend more ridiculous amounts of money on concessions, stare oddly at people, what have you. I really enjoyed myself. I had a great time with it, but then Monty Python has always been a kind of a very basic tenet of my existence. It was something my mother actually introduced me to back when I was in high school, and really she had just discovered it herself to a certain extent. She was curious about it. She rented Life of Brian one night because she had heard her brother, my Uncle Oren, talk about how funny they were, so she wanted to check it out. And so she rented it, and I wasn't really that interested, so I went into my room, and she watched it, and she then demanded that I come into the living room to watch just one scene of it. Because I thought it was just going to be some sort of religious thing, because of the trappings of the whole thing, I thought it was going to be a religious parody movie, like maybe a Mel Brooks type thing or something. And at that time, I wasn't all that keen on that kind of thing. But she knew I was almost as deeply into science fiction as she was, so she made me come out and watch that one scene in Life of Brian where, spoilers for a movie from the 1970s, I think, where Brian is falling from a high place and is picked up by a passing spaceship, which then gets into a fight with another ship and crashes, setting him right back down where he was a few moments ago, and the Romans continue chasing him as though nothing had happened. And I thought it was pretty funny. I was amused by it. So then when she asked me the next day if I wanted to sit down and watch the whole movie with her, because I believe we had rented it over a weekend, I think that was the key here. Because if you rented a videotape on a Friday, you didn't have to take it back till Monday. Remember video rental? There used to be these things called videotapes. They were like MP4 files, except you had to carry them on little brown pieces of tape, threaded around spools in little black plastic cartons, and you would put them into a machine that you would use to watch the movie. But I digress. Anyway, I went ahead and watched it with her. She asked if I would come and watch the whole thing. And I thought, well, that scene was pretty good. Yeah, okay, I'll go ahead and watch it. And I thought it was hysterical. I loved it. I think Monty Python was one of the first things that I remember understanding and laughing at on my own and finding the idea of a thing funny. And I mean, I was in my low teens at that point, like 12 or 13. Yes, I was already in high school. I had made a diabolical bargain and traded away any ability to interact with human beings for it. But I digress. Anyway, I think I was like 12 or 13. And while I had been shown comedy and kind of laughed at it, I think largely up until that point, I only really laughed because everyone else was laughing. It was one of those things where I would listen to old Abbott and Costello radio shows, and I liked them, but I didn't get the jokes. And my mother would take me to see funny movies occasionally, but I only kind of pieced together why the jokes were funny by people's reactions to them. 
But when I was introduced to Monty Python, I actually found the stuff genuinely funny, in and of itself, without having to decipher it. It had been the same thing when I discovered Douglas Adams' writing. I actually got the jokes the first time around. Or, you know, the majority of them. As one ages, one comes to appreciate certain jokes a bit more. But this is why I'm pretty sure they fundamentally affected my view of comedy. And I became a huge fan of Monty Python. And while a significant number of my friends in high school also turned out to be fans of theirs, when you sat there quoting it, it was still fun to do so, because it was still kind of a fresh and new thing, I think, even though they'd been around since 1969. But they'd only kind of more recently broken out in a major way in the United States and other countries, if I recall correctly, in the 1980s. 1975. That's when Monty Python and the Holy Grail was shown in the United States and grossed more than any other British film shown in the U.S. that year. At least that's what Wikipedia says. So its popularity basically took 12 or 13 years to trickle down to me. But in any case, I was thrilled to learn later on that my uncle actually knew them back when they were just getting ready to start the Flying Circus. My uncle was teaching in England at the time, and as it turned out, his landlady at the place he was staying on, he said, Blacksmith Lane, I have no idea where that is, was Michael Palin's mother. And so through that, he actually got to know the Pythons and Michael Palin in particular, at least at that time in their lives. If he hadn't been there, kind of on the sidelines to see what had been going on at the start of Monty Python, I would never have known about it. And so I kind of feel a personal connection, in a sense. Not anything where it's like I can call them up and say, hey, how's it going? Nothing like that. Although I suppose I could do that, and get dismissed like any ordinary madman. But I guess what I'm trying to say here is that going and seeing their farewell performance was for me very touching. It's about as close as I think I could get to something like a religious experience. It was very cool. and. Really, I can't even fully describe what getting to see it live was like. They were doing it live in London in the evening at the same time as I was watching it here in the U.S. in the afternoon. And I'm really glad I went and saw it. Monty Python, just in general, has meant a lot to me. And like I said at the start of this, it seems as though it's very much in the background for me these days. For me, breaking into Monty Python quotes these days just kind of seems a little bit much. I kind of feel like expressing heavy interest in them these days isn't something that I think I'd catch flack for, but I guess is something I just don't want reduced down to the series of memes that we've seen it become. So I guess that's really what I'm getting at. I was so pleased to have a new performance to watch, even though a lot of the material was old. It was very nice to be able to sit there and revel in my love of their work. So I think that's about enough gushing for now. You're probably sick of hearing me talk about it. I think I'm starting to get sick of hearing me talk about it. So let's end this one now.